0: Some words are both nouns and verbs depending on the context. For example, I can milk a cow or I can drink some milk. I can exit a room by using the exit or dust my furniture to remove the dust. Now, if you're a fan of grammar, and really, who isn't, you'll know that a verb that's derived from a noun is called a denominal verb. The opposite, a noun derived from a verb is called a diverbal noun. But what do you call a word that's both a thing you say and a thing you do, a thing you make, a state of mind, an event, a concoction, and an expression of good health and sometimes a reference to raucous partying? Well, when it comes to Christmas traditions, you call it wassail. Nowadays, wassail, like sugar plums or hot buttered rum, is a part of the Christmas season that most of us experience mainly through references in songs and stories and artwork. But this old English custom is about much more than sharing a cup of good cheer. It's about one of the parts of Christmas that's most likely destined to remain stuck in Christmas past the notion of inverting the normal rules of social order, and all with a little help from alcohol. I'm Brian Earle. This is Christmas Past. A term you don't hear a lot anymore, and certainly not when it comes to Christmas, is social inversion. As the name suggests, it has to do with role reversals and turning social rules and norms inside out. It was once a common theme in the ancient Roman celebration of Saturnalia. Slaves would feast at a banquet, for example. And social inversion was also once a major part of the Christmas celebration. Some churches elected a child to be a boy bishop who presided over the ceremony. Other cultures adopted a lord of misrule, a sort of jester-like figure who led the festivities. So what does any of this have to do with Wassail?
1: What happens with Wassail is it is basically, fundamentally, a right of crossing, crossing the threshold.
0: That's Conrad Blady. He's the author of The Book of Wassail, a five-volume look into Wassail literature, music, folklore, and recipes.
1: The people who are poor workers on the estate could go to the wealthy person's house and perform not as beggars, but as good people with self-esteem. And the master of the house would let them in and feed them and treat them very well so that he would be on their good side and they might return again next year. They could express their problems and needs to him at the time, and he could help provide for them because he depended upon
0: them for his livelihood. The flip side of social inversion is acknowledging the social order in the first place. There has always been, and will always be, social and economic inequality, but it was a whole different game centuries ago. There were the very few wealthy and powerful and privileged, and then there was everyone else. No in-between. The notion of a middle class wouldn't emerge until sometime in the 18th century. The word wassail is from the Old English hail, literally, be thou hail, or in other words, to your health. It was a toast, like cheers or the Irish sláncha, But the significance was not necessarily the wish for good health, but the dynamic of who was wishing it for whom.
1: If you know the Christmas Carol of Dickens, at the end of the Christmas Carol, Scrooge meets with Cratchit. And they have a glass of Smoking Bishop, and therefore they link up together and become more friendly, at least for a while.
0: Smoking Bishop is a kind of mulled punch commonly served at banquets in a bowl resembling a bishop's mitre. And most people think of wassail as something along these lines, but the truth is that wassail can be almost anything. And in fact, it has been many things throughout time.
1: In the apple growing countries and cider countries, it's cider, and it's cider with ale in it. And the spices are the the Christmas spices, allspice, ginger, cinnamon. It's served hot, but not too hot, because if it's too hot, the alcohol will go away. Then follow in the 18th century, we have a great blossoming in the 18th century of possets and uh, egg-based hot beverages, eggnogs, sort of things, filled with eggs, filled with spices, filled with sugar. That was is a very legitimate wassail. But these days, I've got wassail shooters made of jello and wassail.
0: One traditional version originates from the summertime celebration of llamas.
1: It's lambs, well, it, it, it dates way, way back to 17th century. And that was, Wassail with baked apples in it. And the apple, when you take it out of the broiler with a darkened black skin almost, it explodes and it shoots these fibers out through the, um, through the fluid. It sort of looks like, like angel hair, it makes a very tasty drink. Sometimes they actually made almost a pudding.
0: So we have a tradition of drinking to one's health in a socially atypical setting. And we have a drink that's generally regionally inspired but for the most part tends to be some kind of spiked punch with winter spices. There are other variations on the wassail tradition. Devonshire farmers would chant and drink in their orchards to encourage a strong crop. In other parts, farmers would place bread or cake on the horns of an ox. There's even mention of wassailing beehives. But how did wassail become not just a toast or a drink, but an activity? As in, here we come a Wassailing"? And what does that even mean?
1: That's evolved into different customs and different versions. From the first, they would travel around in groups, ordinary people. And instead of begging, they would put on a a song or something. And in return for the song, they would be let across the threshold of the master's house.
0: So rather than the wealthy inviting the poor into their homes, the poor started going from home to home, almost like trick-or-treating or caroling. But with booze. The next thing that happened is that these people became professional craftsmen. Every year, the same group of guys
1: get together, get the kit together, dress up, and they go from door to door. It became formalized, and it still is done in England the in formal way. And people go door to door. They'll bring a mummer's play.
0: And later, it became a different kind of activity. A party.
1: End of the 19th century, you have the what I call the wassail mask, or the Christmas mask, which is not the court mask. It's an evolution of that into a large hall, which could be a court hall or the king's hall, landowner's hall, big hall where people got together and feasted. And they took apart all of the customs and brought them all into the same sort of uh, play. You had the, the yule log, wassailing, you had people dressed up and they had processions
0: and people drank and ate. And since the word has had many meanings over time, so too has it had different connotations. What started as a simple toast to good health eventually took a turn.
1: In the 19th century, in novels, it becomes something terrible. The men were at their wassail. Prior to that, in literature, wassailing was
0: holy and sacred. Today, and especially in America, wassail has largely fallen by the wayside. Again, we experience it mostly by way of its mentions in Christmas music and literature, or maybe by trying a recipe that you find on the internet. But this Christmas season, you might try bringing a little more wassail into your celebration. Now that you know it's about much more than a specific toast or drink.
1: The most important thing about wassail is that it's an essential human device which is important for keeping people socially together who do not agree with each other. It's very important to break down the bounds of people, cross over the threshold, and look out for one another. But it's not something that's naturally human. It has to be contrived.
0: Of course, it's common to raise a glass and a toast to fond memories from Christmas past, so here is a Christmas memory. If you've been following the season so far, you'll know that the Christmas memories will work just a little differently this year. That's because I'm recording most of these episodes in the summer, when it's still too early to ask you to send them. And I'm doing that because, come November, we'll be welcoming a new member to the Christmas Past family and to the household here at Christmas Past headquarters. So in many of these episodes, the Christmas memories you'll hear will be from yours truly but I want you to hear me loud and clear. I still want to include your memories this season. There's still time to send them, and there's still a place to include them in the episodes that will arrive closer to Christmas Day. So, as always, the thing to do is record a voice memo into your phone and send it to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. Keep it reasonably short, clean and family-friendly, and be sure to say your name and where you're from. This memory is from somewhere around 2005, give or take. Most of my family is in Massachusetts, and at the time, most of my wife's family was in New York. So every year, at Christmas, we'd have to decide whose family to spend it with. There was usually a lengthy negotiation. If we spent Christmas in Massachusetts, we'd spend Thanksgiving in New York or vice versa. We didn't want anyone feeling hurt or neglected. One year, we even did Christmas morning in Massachusetts and then hit the road to make it to New York in time for Christmas dinner. But one year, we decided to skip the negotiations altogether and spend Christmas in neither Massachusetts nor New York, but in the Bahamas. A few days before Christmas, we headed down for a brief stay in Nassau, and then it was over to Harbor Island, with its pink sand beaches and peaceful island feel. There was a man who kept horses on the beach, and we spent Christmas morning riding horses along the beach and then driving golf carts around the island. There were very few cars on the island, and that's how most people got around. Christmas was more of a quiet celebration there, but the next day, Boxing Day, was the main attraction. The celebration of Junkanoo, if you can imagine a mashup between Mardi Gras and Christmas with a distinctly Caribbean feel, you'll get the picture. It was a lively and colorful outdoor festival with music, costumes, a parade, and general reveling. I don't think I could ever get used to celebrating Christmas in the Bahamas. It's just too different from the Christmases I grew up with. But it was an unforgettable experience, and one that I'll always look back on with fondness and gratitude. Christmas Past is produced in wonderful Willow Glen, California, by yours truly, Brian Earle. I hope your Christmas season is off to a great start so far, and I'm looking forward to spending the rest of it with you together. Thanks so much to Conrad Blady, and as always, thank you for being part of the Christmas Past family. I'm doing my part to grow the Christmas Past family. How about you? You can tell a friend about the show or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Both of those are quick and painless ways to show support, they don't cost a thing, and they really do make a big difference. If you do leave a review, I'll send you a Christmas Past sticker and a handwritten Christmas card as my way of saying thanks reach out for details. You can always drop me a line at ChristmasPasspodcast at gmail.com or connect on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please consider joining our private Christmas Past Facebook group if you haven't yet. Until we meet again, stay safe and healthy, look out for one another, and may your days be merry and bright.